Hello and welcome to this special year ahead edition of On Point, a podcast series where we explore the post-pandemic economy and the biggest themes and events shaping the outlook in 2022. I'm Imogen Bakker, European Rate Strategist, and I'm joined today by Alvaro Vivanco and Giovanni Zani to talk through the green transition and its impact on inflation. So Alvaro, let's start with you. Why did you decide to focus on the effects of greener energy on inflation as a theme for this year's year ahead? To, to be honest, there's a, there are a few reasons why we were really excited about tackling the combination of climate change and inflation. I mean, obviously, just over the last couple of days, there has been a lot of headlines on both topics. We are just coming on the heels of COP26, a lot of policy developments, the focus of the world moving towards transition. Um, so that's definitely on, on the headlines. And at the same time, right, we are dealing with some of the highest inflation prints that we have had in decades, not only in the U.S., but across different uh, regions of the world, emerging markets as well. So when you bring those together, right, uh, it's going to be very, very important and very interesting to see how policymakers balance those two priorities. And just kind of from a political economy perspective, right, it, 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 they, there is some uh, tension between them because obviously uh, climate change is very, very long term. Inflation you know, has become an electoral issue, it's become a political sticking point. So that's why we wanted to tackle this. The, the other reason is that actually, given the magnitude of how important this should be or could be, there's actually very few studies, proper, you know, quant approach to, to looking at this issue. There's a lot of you know, journalistic approach to this, a lot of opinions that, you know, this is going to bring inflation, that technology is going to solve that. But we really wanted to spend our time and use the year ahead as an opportunity to go through several different angles uh, on the demand side, on the policymaking side, uh, as well, the political economy and the fiscal. So, you know, that that's the idea. We're excited about it and you know, happy to share it with, with the clients today. Great, thank you. So you mentioned the the policymaking side. Um, Giovanni, we've had Lagarde in Europe and other central banks be very explicit about the risk from this kind of green transition. How do you see that playing out? Okay, yes, well, actually, how the green transition affects inflation is still uh, quite controversial. Um, There are signs if you look at the uh, decrease of uh, energy prices for renewable uh, energy, a lot of technology developments, and actually Alvaro will, will, will discuss that in detail in a few moments, uh, it seems that it's unlikely to be an intractable issue for uh, uh, central banks. But having said that, if you look at the um, Network for Greening uh, of the Financial System report, which is like this big study coming from uh, you know, a lot of central banks, their central hypothesis, their, their central scenario is clearly one where you will see an increase in inflation over the transition to a greener economy and with, in their estimates, up to one percentage point higher inflation in 2030 uh, annually, and then uh, going back uh, to trend uh, over the following uh, decade or so. so um, you know, and Lagarde quoted it in, in, in a recent speech. So that, that's, that's the, the, the initial you know, uh, 
situation. Then the reaction function of the of the central bank is also interesting because on one side you have this idea that you have rules and we've just redefined them at the European level through the strategy review. There is this two percent target. Okay, it's a bit more flexible. It's a bit more symmetric, but that's that's the the key objective of the central bank. And on the other side, you should expect, I think, some benevolent uh, leniency towards uh, slightly higher inflation, just because if this is coming from another key target of the union, uh, exactly, so the, the, the climate transition, then uh, I guess that this is acceptable. And if you look at how the strategy review defined the target, they said that, of course, they have a 2%, but they kind of concentrate on core inflation. And that's a way to say that everything that is coming from the greening transition, that it's related to energy, will be kind of overlooked, um, uh, especially if it comes from this decarbonization from the energy component. Finally, I would say the final point and the final implication, of course, is that rates might be slightly higher because of that, not just because of the inflation side, but also because there will be a big drive towards more investment. And this is uh, you know, another driver of slightly higher uh, rates. Alvaro, thinking about the longer term then, I guess specifically about carbon taxes versus the um, technological improvement for renewables, how do you see the balance there? Yeah, so in the in the report, we, we look at kind of three different angles, right? The first one is just this idea that, you know, especially younger people are shifting some of their demand priorities towards greener products that to some extent, especially in a few industries, tend to be more expensive. So, you know, there's a bunch of surveys that we go through in, 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 in the report that say that, you know, if you ask people, they will tend to tell you that, you know, given the choice, they will go with a greener alternative, even if it involves uh, a higher price, especially in Europe, but also in the U.S. And as I said, especially within younger people. When we looked at, you know, very specific correlations between that and actually higher inflation for green products, we did something in a previous report looking at, for instance, electric vehicles in the U.S., during this period of, of high inflation for, for use and new, new cars. And what we found is that there is a slightly uh, you know, higher pricing for electric vehicles, but not, not significantly, not enough to really make, make a huge difference. So I think these demand patterns will play over time, but so far it's really difficult to see you know, a, a different path for inflation for those. The second angle is uh, what, what you mentioned, carbon taxes, right? And, and again, this is something that, you know, I think deserves more uh, study, more analysis. There's evidence on both sides. You know, some studies show that there is some inflationary effect. There's been other ones that have to be, that are longer in, in, in the, the time horizon that they looked at comparing, you know, regions within a country or between countries that apply carbon taxes versus the other, that actually shows the opposite, that because it tends, tends to have a contractionary effect on demand, is actually disinflationary over time, right? So I think that that provides at least some support to this idea that this is not something that policymakers need to worry in the very short term. And then I think the much bigger question is how is uh, the pricing of green technology evolving over time. I, I think here 
the evidence is extremely clear, right? Uh, if you look at you know how much prices have declined, for instance, just to give you a couple of, of examples, onshore wind basically there has been a sixty percent decline over the last decade. Uh, photovoltaic costs are you know a fraction of what they were at the beginning, something like 15, 20 percent what they they were uh, two decades ago. Battery storage is getting cheaper year by year, right? So when we take this into account, right, it's very exciting to see that currently some of the more renewable, greener technologies are actually cheaper to produce in the vast majority of countries, right? And if even if this plateaus a little bit, right, in part because commodity prices have increased, there's still, you know, pressures to the downside. So I think over the long term, it's very difficult to be very concerned that this transition after these adjustments, after this friction period has taken place, will be a source of, of significant uh, inflationary pressures on a sustained basis. With that in mind then, Giovanni, you talked a bit before about the kind of monetary policy response to all of this, but when you look at the um, political and fiscal impact of the green transition, what are the elements to watch there? Yeah, so I mean, we, we've mentioned mainly up to now the economics of the story, but of course, you know, the um, the social and political aspects are very relevant. I mean, it's, it's like a, a compact with, with a lot of dimensions and, and there are different levels. For example, to manage this transition, um, and, and, and Alvaro was saying that you know, uh, in the long term, we're, we're, we're fine, but you know, in the transition, there are issues that are intra-countries. Um, uh, For example, the distinction between the impact of some of the measure on low-income uh, uh, households, because the carbon tax is regressive, so there will be an issue of redistribution, dealing with uh, a social and political aspect, as we've seen already in the past with, for example, the uh, Gilets Jaunes in France and other movements. So th there is an issue there that needs to be uh, addressed. The second aspect is on intergenerational uh, aspects between the young and the old, with the old generation willing to remain and, and do the same things as before. And of course, this conflicts with the interest of, uh, of the future and of the, uh, of the new generation. And this will have political consequences, you know, now and, and in the medium term. And then the issue between countries, developing, developed countries, developing countries more interested in still growing and, 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 and getting more wealth, which is, of course, normal. And on the other side, interests of more resilience and more balanced uh, uh, economy. And of course, the overriding element of all that is that if you don't do things right, then uh, you will have big social and political risk linked to the fact that you didn't address the, the climate uh, risk with the consequences in terms of migrations and things like that. So it's a, it's a big, really, a, a big issue that goes far beyond just looking at the economics uh, in the short term. And I would say, for me, the bottom line is that redistribution will be a key element of the story in all these different uh, dimensions that I you know, just, just gave a, a, a hint of. Uh, the second element is that there will be a bias towards more uh, um, public expenditure, uh, also by, by definition. Uh, and the third element is the fact that you will have to uh, find the balance and internalize all the risks and all the dimension of 
climate uh, greening, um, growth, and also the inflation and fiscal sustainability that you want to achieve with the rules that are related to that. So it's already part of the COP26, but uh, it's clear that after the pandemic, that will be the key issue on the table of all policymakers around the world. Lots to think about then. So Alvaro, I guess to wrap this discussion up and, and bring it back to markets, um, perhaps you could just tell us if you think that markets are pricing in these risks or there's further still to go before we fully kind of priced in the, the cost of the green transition. I think in the short term, markets are, are not pricing this in, right? I mean, it, it's clear from, from our study that this brings greater sources of uncertainty, right? In some cases, obviously uh, necessary for, for the transition, but that is it's gonna put a lot of central banks in a very tough position, given where inflation is unrelated to this, right? We are in the middle, m- middle of a lot of shortages that you know, we're exploring different sections of, of the year ahead. There's a still the stimulus going through, a lot of uncertainties about when central banks will become a little bit you know, more restrictive and tighter. And I think that this just adds a lot of uncertainty, adds volatility. And I think in general, we go through obviously each asset class in the report, but in general, I think that this going into the winter in, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's just going to add quite a bit of uncertainty and pressures on top of everything that we have. So, you know, I, I think it's an important thing to develop. Again, the key will be when some of these positives from the technology from the longer term uh, factors come through, but I will say, uh, you know, especially for shorter term investors, you know, prepare for more uncertainty. Great. Well, thank you both for joining me today. And I hope that all our listeners and viewers enjoyed today's episode of On Point. Just a reminder to get more insight into the year ahead, navigate to ci.natwest.com forward slash year ahead and follow us on social media or feel free to get in touch with any of us directly via Bloomberg or via email. Thanks. <laughs>